Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you once again, Lord. For another day not promised to us. I'm asking, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my brothers and sisters that you have given us yet another day to partake in your word and uplift your name. Yes, Lord, I pray for those lost souls out there that need you, Lord. I pray that you come upon us that you empower us, that you fill us with the spirit, Lord, that we might go. For Lord, it is your will and your will only that souls get saved, that people have the true inheritance in Jesus Christ, that we may discover you, Lord, in all your glory, that we might be like you. So I pray that this word transforms us tonight. I pray that no man's heart gets hurt. I pray that no flesh be glorified tonight, Lord, but let you put your spirit of teaching upon us you. that your righteous works might be done. Yes, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for the brethren who couldn't make it. My brother James, Lord, who's going through a difficult time. My sister Aline. My yes, sister Lord, Melissa God. and her son Devin. Lord, I pray that you just watch over them. Yes, and I pray, Lord, that you break down the shackles, Lord, that the enemy is trying to bind people with. For, Lord, these are the times that try men's souls, and we need you right now, Jesus. We need you to come upon us in real time, that we not work in vain, that we not give in to the world, but that we keep our minds steadfast and focused on you. Lord, because there is just so many out there that are lost, so many suffering, so many on drugs, so many, Lord, that are homeless, so many given away to atheism, Lord, and all sorts of filth that is being taught in this world. I pray, Lord, that you send your anointing upon this group, that it may break the yoke, Lord, that your people might be gone, that they might do what you call at the appointed times. So, Lord, we're asking that we be led by your spirit tonight, Lord, and in Jesus' name, bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, fear, doubt, and unbelief. Every spirit that is not of you, Lord Jesus, including this religious spirit that we go after tonight, Lord. Break the bands off the minds, Lord, the eyes who can't see and the ears who can't hear and the hearts that cannot understand. For Lord, religion is an ugly thing. It's a dirty thing. And Lord, you meant for your people to have relationship and to enter into what you desire. So, Lord, let your peace be upon these minds. Let people hear. Let us have a great plainness of speech that your words may be heard. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. Lord, do these things for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' Jesus. name we pray. Amen. Someone went out. I know somebody was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, God has an angel. No. Around. Your angel. Yeah. <laughs> so tonight's uh, study is actually going to be called "Beware of the Religious Spirit." 
And uh, I think it was Sunday night. The Lord was really like pricking my spirit about this. You know, he was even showing me in some ways how in the past the religious spirit has affected me. And even in some ways now that, you know, there might be little pieces of residue that are in there that he wants to remove from me. You know, because religious spirit is one of those spirits that can creep on you really easy. And it can be one of those things that can fill you with pride. It can fill you with self-righteousness. It can fill you with lots of things that are not of God. So we really want to be aware of this thing. Because, I mean, in, in most cases, when you speak to many denominations or other religions, and you come to them with the truth in Christ... The reason why they can't receive it is because of a religious spirit. Mm -hmm. And Jesus dealt with this more than anything. You want to know the spirit that killed Jesus? Mm -hmm. It was the religious yeah. spirit. There are a lot of people that think, yeah, a lot of people think that they would have liked Jesus today. But the truth is they wouldn't have because he would have come to them plain. If they've got problems with God's word now, imagine what it would have been like then when he was there telling you to your face right. what you need to do to have him. So, you know, religion is just an ugly thing. And I'm just praying that God really takes it from the midst of his church, that he takes it from the midst of other religions that people can see. Because there's nothing worse than telling people, like we mentioned earlier, Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and Catholics and even Baptist denominations where I grew up in. A lot of the things that they believed, you know, I grew up believing until the Lord opened my eyes. One big thing that Baptists say about Pentecostals is they're crazy. Now, you got some denominations that actually are, but I'm talking about those who want to follow the Lord or of the Spirit. You know, the, the Pentecostals in many ways came closer to the true church of God than really any other denomination because we were always taught talking in tongues is not for today. It's of the devil, and I don't know about what those people are doing over there, but we Baptists, we are different. And it's just one of those things where you get out and you read this word for yourself and you know that that's all garbage. Mm -hmm. But see, God means to free us is why he gave us his word. It's why he preserved us. But there is nothing worse than sticking to religion, knowing that it's wrong. But because you don't want to think about that there's a possibility that you might have a grandfather that's wrong, a grandmother in hell, that you may have people that you know, were involved in their tradition that you want to pursue them even though you know it's wrong. And that's why we've got to love Jesus Christ more than anything because what tempted Jesus, what constantly followed Jesus throughout his time here was a religious spirit. I mean, some of the questions they asked Jesus were ridiculous. You know, the Pharisees following him around. So what do you think it is, Jesus? Hmm? How about if a man marries seven or seven men marry a woman? What do you think about this? Oh, Master, what is the first and great commandment of the law? Oh, and then, oh, well, uh, what about Caesar? Do we give Caesar his tribute? Hmm. You know, all that stuff. I mean, it was just so annoying, but Jesus dealt with that. And then when you think of Moses, my heart goes out to him, too, because Moses was a faithful, loyal man of God. And what happened? They tempted him and tempted him and tempted him and tempted him oh to the gosh. point to where Moses became immature, you know, like jumped down, hit the rock with the, um, hit the staff. I mean, hit the rock with the staff twice. The water did come out, but you know, he kind of, he disrespected the Lord. So, you know, it's just 
We cannot allow ourselves to be pulled into the flesh or into religion. We have to take its word in its entirety. And I'll tell you something that will help us cling to the word even more is having God's spirit. Where people think they can teach today, that they can do anything today outside of the spirit of God is a serious error. Because in many times, Jesus showed the people different things, but people weren't able to receive them because of their tradition, because of their religious attitude. They felt like, well, this is the way we've always done it. So Jesus ought to conform to our tradition. But see, when Jesus reached people, a lot of things that he said, it surprised a lot of religious leaders because they thought that, no, no way in the world Jesus would say this or think that. But that's why if we have the Spirit of God, he will guide us. The Spirit of truth will guide us into all truth and righteousness. Sometimes you can see an act of God working, you know, and it may not be according to how we see it, but it's still working to draw people into the Spirit. But if we go according to tradition and religion, man, forget it. The spirit could be doing something at that very moment, and you will hate the very work that is being done. Man, I'll tell you, um, Brother Sam and Sister Deborah, when they invited us to this conference, it was a good experience to be out there with those kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really was. We had a good time with them. And I was recognizing when the kids were asking all those questions, because there were things that I didn't even intend to talk about there. You know, I never really got to talk about whatever, but you know what? I was glad because what they were actually showing us, what the Lord was revealing to me and when they were asking, they were telling you what was in their soul, what was in their heart, what's keeping me from being more of a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, they were asking all sorts of questions, but I noticed that some of those questions, they looked like they were coming out of left field, but they weren't. They were actually telling you what's on their minds. The questions of homosexuality were brought up. Mm -hmm. The questions of what the mark of the beast was like. You know, little kids, I think, asked about demons and things like giants. this. You know, giants. These guys are going to be dealing with this stuff. You know, and Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I like the way the Spirit worked. He worked with Sarah, worked with Josh, worked with everybody in the room. But everybody had a different delivery. But God's spirit was governing the whole thing. That was a good idea when you broke us off into smaller groups because, man, the questions really began to flow then. They were asking all stuff about the spirit and all this stuff. But it was so nice to see young kids engaged and wanting to know because, I mean, man, when I was caught up in religion, when we were talking and all that, I would have been sleeping and my mom would have had to nudge me to wake up. But it was good that children were finding interest in this stuff. Oh, yeah. Man, they are the ones that are going to have to deal with this because, um, you know, Melissa and I talk about it often. Like at the time when she was kind of still in the world, I used to want to um, talk to her kids very early, Easton and Devin, about the Lord. But at that time, Melissa just came out of the new age. So her thing was she didn't she felt like it would be scary to talk to kids about some of the Bible stuff and heaven and hell and things like that. But now she's saying, you know, she wished that she had, because you see, when the spirit of God backs off, another spirit will come out and jump right in. Way more so, scarier what they see out there. Exactly. The <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the Lord is just trying to work things out with all of us. But it was a great experience to be up there at the beach. It was awesome. We were blessed by your, your presence, both of you. Well, we were blessed to be there with you guys, and man. You know, it felt right. Yeah. And interesting enough that you say that because when we were in the small groups, one of the girls, I think she was like the uh, one of the sixth graders, 
and so that she had two little lesbian friends in her class and I'm like you're in sixth grade you're like a what 11 12 years old it, but yeah, Satan yeah. is really just it's younger and it's younger and it's younger right. so it's true that they are dealing with this generation is really dealing with all of this that you know when we were kids it was the furthest you didn't think about it mm-hmm. now it's at your front doorstep and see that's the thing the devil is not waiting mm-hmm. he is not waiting to come after these kids so I think a lot of the questions they were asking, man, was kind of like stuff that they wondered about. Then when the question of homosexuality came up, I'm like, you know what, I'm glad you, you asked. Because now we can talk about it before everybody and everybody can hear it. Yeah. But the thing is, is, it's wrong. It's a sin. It's no different than any other sin, but it's a sin. You know, and God is against it. But it was nice to see these kids engaged. Let's go to Mark 7. Let's start at Mark chapter 7. We'll begin at verse 1. But man, that religious spirit is a monster. Yeah. Also, like, um, within my schooling, they are instructing teachers to have, like, curriculum and um, books in their classroom that expose students to, like, transgender Mm -hmm. and gay and stuff like that. So little Billy doesn't isn't embarrassed about his two lesbian moms or mm-hmm. whatever and I'm just like no I'm not not doing that no okay, that's garbage exactly. <laughs> it's so trash yeah it's disgusting man you know and that's why we gotta be up front with the kids cause at their age is where a lot of this stuff is occurring you know it's about equality they would've done the same thing with with black <laughs> black people yeah. mm-hmm. it's not about equality mm-hmm. it's about introducing or even for us to be able to talk about Jesus in the school right. and not separate church and you mm-hmm. know that's like people get so offended that's not appropriate for you to talk about it but it's appropriate for us to talk about gay and lesbian and like all this other stuff and promote it like it's not like, that's right because sometimes I wonder if you think of Satan's mind I even wonder if the civil rights struggle was really about civil rights because what I personally think is the devil had a plan that okay, if we fight for other people in their race, now we can bring out what our real objective is, the homosexual community. And let's get this going. So, because every time the subject gets brought up for their rights, what you hear is, oh, well, black people and, you know, other people fought for their rights. I'm like, you know, if you're black, if you're any race, and you get compared to that, you should be offended. You're trying to say that me fighting for my human rights is equal to, hey, if they want to work somewhere, that's fine. If they want to, you know, vote or do whatever they do in the world, fine. But if you ask me to accept the lifestyle because it's not of God, I'm against it. And it's just that simple. No, I'm not against your right to work, but I am against your right to push what you're, what you're doing on other people. And I hope that they get saved. Um, yeah, here's a ring, a ring, a ring. Here's a do you remember in the first conference... I had done that research on it and it what it started out with. Mm-hmm. And just to make a long story short, but in the 1800s, it was like the women started doing things like women's rights and everything like that and supporting certain whatever. And you had men that were kind of on board with it. And what it started out was something so small in the 1800s. Before you knew it, it just, in the 1900s, it blew way out of proportion. Yeah, mostly um, when things like this happen, it always starts with few people. Mm-hmm. But see, let's just say you're a very powerful person and you got the news there and you got the cameras. You can have major influence. 
But most movements don't start with a whole lot of people. See, and, but if you control the media, you can say, you can have 50 of your best friends march by on camera, and it looks like everybody is in support of it, mm -hmm. but it's just really you and your 50-something people. But then you blast it out to every newspaper everywhere and make people think that that's the agenda. We did a good teaching Sunday on the worship of Baal Peor, so if you guys get a chance... Check out that teaching because, man, it's really awesome how, or it's really scary how we can be worshiping that spirit and not even knowing it. So if you get a chance, check it out. All right, Mark 7, we'll start at verse 1, and it says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. This is the religious spirit. Instead of just leaving them alone to eat, they're following Jesus around. It's like, don't you guys have more important things to do? But they follow Jesus, and then they're looking for fault. Look at verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things are there being which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Uh, then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well, hath Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied to you hypocrites, as it is written. Now Jesus went straight out and called them hypocrites. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. <laughs> Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. So Jesus was very straightforward. I mean, when they came and asked him what you would consider a sensible question, he said, you know, let me express to you what your real problem is. You're a religious hypocrite. He started out with addressing them as hypocrites and then went right into scripture to say, hey, Many people can honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's a big part of religious spirits, too. They'll push you out there to do something, you know, for God, but they themselves wouldn't even think about it. So that's something that we got to think about. In verse 7, Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many such things like ye do like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. And this is what you find, you know, they can find fault with everything else, but Jesus was often telling people, guys, if you were really in your tradition as you say, then where did you miss in, in, in 39 books or wherever the, the scrolls were, the, the, what they said about me? how I would come, the prophecies that I had fulfilled, the things that were only supposed to be done until the coming of the Messiah. So he was like, you know, you guys are so religious. You guys know so much about the old Torah and the Tanakh. But where did you miss that I was in the scriptures to come and do the things that I'm doing? But these guys missed it by a hundred miles because they clung to their tradition. They, and they thought by washing pots and cups and the outward appearance of looking holy, that they, they thought that that would be equivalent to being holy, and it doesn't, yeah. Um, this just came to me, um, but 
maybe it was because a lot of this religious spirit focused on what you can see. Mm -hmm. real it's carnal. Yes, it's the carnal. religious so mind is a carnal mind. Absolutely. Reading the prophecy, that's hard for they can't see it. They can't see it coming. They don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Their mind doesn't configure it. But it's true. But see, in many cases, religious minds won't even try to because of the fact of outward appearance. So I'll put on a backwards collar and give a homily, you know, and I'll sit there and, you know, everybody's watching the Pope walk into the cathedral and, you know, everybody. Oh, the Pope is making his way in. And, you know, and you look at this, there is no scriptural basis for any of it. But you see, but religious people, there's no cardinals, there's no bishops. Well, not those bishops, but there is none of that stuff that people are pushing today. But they're trying to act like, well, because we appear to be holy, we're holy. And Jesus wanted people to get past all of that garbage and pursue him. Man, be righteous for real. For Mo, this is verse 11, I mean, verse 10. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corbin, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. So he's saying that, you know, don't think that by what God said to do, is going to be taken away all of a sudden because you think that you're doing something for the Lord. You know, God tells you honor your father and your mother. He means honor your father and your mother. Look at verse 12. Um, and he says, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your traditions, which ye have delivered and many such like things do ye. And when um, he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. So notice, Jesus came with his disciples. They didn't like what they were doing. And the, instead of the Pharisees, you know, really getting a grip for what Jesus wanted, which was a clean vessel, these guys jumped all over him about tradition and why his people are not right. So look at the next thing Jesus does in verse 14. He came to the people and he says, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. Like, guys, y'all come to me. Maybe y'all may get what I'm saying. And because you're not jumping me with religion, you guys might understand where I'm coming from. So Jesus always wanted the people to have knowledge of him. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him... Those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus is right. Anything that we can put, that we can put in, into us, it may not be the healthiest, but it doesn't defile you. What defiles you is what comes from within. It's not drugs that defile the man. It's the iniquity in man that seeks after drugs. So you see, it all begins in what's in the heart. What you feel is what you'll do. What is your very nature? That is what your heart desires. Whatever the heart desires is your very nature. Some people say, oh, he's got a bad temper. And, you know, he was like that when he, when he was little. We need to sit down and psychologize him. No, you don't. That boy needs Jesus. Okay? Because what is inside of him, it could be a lot of hurt and pain and scars. You know, sin from Adam, things that went way back. So God wants a nature change in order to receive it. 
But these guys, and this is why the Bible says the law, that tradition, could never touch on what the biggest problem of man was, which was sin. It was an appeasement for man for the time being because they were not righteous enough to offer God what he needed. So God was appeased by it. He tolerated it. But the Bible says once a schoolmaster comes in Galatians 3, which is Jesus Christ, that we are no longer in need of a schoolmaster of the law. We now have Jesus with us that can make us what he always intended for us to be. So that's why in a lot of ways, a lot of religious practices, things that we do every week, every Sunday, I mean, it's not really that that moves God. What moves God is the very nature that you do things with because eventually, if your heart is seeking after God, it's only going to lead you to one place, Christ in you, Christ through you, Christ in you touching the lives of others. But what does religion do? Tell you to sit every week in theater-style seating you know, like it's an arena, and you just sit there and just take a lot of stuff in. And I like what Christina brought up, because this has been coming up a lot. But we've been talking about hearing and listening. It is a big thing. Hearing does come with the action. A lot of people can listen to what you're saying, but they're not hearing what you're saying. Because when you hear something, it comes with action. I'm not saying right away, but you recognize, okay, what this word says, I don't have. So what I need to do is seek the Lord. I need to get my spiritual house built up so that Christ can live in me. But see, religion will tell you, sit there, look prim, look proper, have a good time, enjoy the show. But it never touches you where it needs to that you can follow Jesus Christ. That's the biggest thing in religion. There are people, man, even in my mom's church, sitting in there 50 years, don't know the Lord from the very first day they walked in. They've got some religious experiences, but they never had a relationship with Jesus. And that's why any true teacher, any true pastor, they're going to want you to go as far in Christ as you can go, reaching your full potential, not turning you to them, but turning you unto Jesus, because he's the only one who can do something. So he says, um, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Jesus got to tell them too. Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing uh, from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. So he's saying like, man, whatever person come, they put in physically, whether it's food or drinks or whatever, it's going to come out in your waist. So he's like, man, that's going to purge all meats. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man, um, for, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Now you, you would wonder, man, how can the Lord make my thoughts right? By the renewing of your heart by the changing of your heart, giving you what? The proper nature to do those things of God. That's what's important because, man, you wonder, how can I control my thoughts? Hey, you... Exactly, and you only think what you are. That's why the Bible says, what a man thinketh, so is he. In Proverbs 23, that's true. What you think is what you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the devil will try and put thoughts in your mind, but rebuke him in Jesus' name and move on. And he said, that which cometh out of a man that defileth the man, for within, out of the heart, 
Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. So look at lasciviousness. That's kind of like wantingness, like lustful desires, things that you shouldn't want. Mm -hmm. And covetousness is greed. But he says an evil eye. So if God's spirit lives in you, there were times I turned on TV and I was watching something and the Holy Ghost said, turn it off. And I heard the voice loud and clear. You know, or even when you look up something on the internet and you find something that's not of God, you just, oh, you know, and turn it off. But it's like you get corrected of, hey, no, you know, you're not to be looking at that or watching that. So, you know, your eye is simply evil because of the iniquity within. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Now, see, we think joking around and, you know, kidding around with people is, is fun. I mean, I think God has a sense of humor, but... When you find yourself in the middle of nothingness or like, you know, just joking for the sake of joking. I you see, exactly. You see how it's just a waste of your time? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, why are we even thinking about this? And I've learned at times when I'm around that foolishness, I feel like my spirit dying. But then as soon as someone talks about Jesus, you perk right up. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, because let me tell you what the Lord did and this and that. Yeah. Because your spirit is being fed by him. Yeah, boy. Now, I read about uh, what foolish really is. You know, it's, it's, one of the translations was godlessness. Like, so mm -hmm. that's why it says, you know, you'll be damned if you call somebody a fool. Mm -hmm. That is a scripture somewhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, right. And, and the Bible right. also speaks about jesting. Remember about, um, what do they call it? Something and jesting. It's not joking. It's um. Oh, it's like Ephesians five. It's Ephesians five, but it talks about you know how people like to jest. Mm -hmm. There's people on my work. They act at my, at my job. They act just like I don't know if you guys are probably too young to remember the show Mash, mm -hmm. but there were two guys on there piercing honeycut, and all they did was joke. Oh well, you're this. Oh well, you're that. Blah 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 blah. That's all you hear. And after a while, it's just like, man, let me get out of here. Like this is. Yeah. It's Ephesians uh, 5 and 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, mm -hmm. which are not convenient, but rather giving of, but rather giving of thanks. Yeah, you know, it's just like, it's a waste of time. And we got to take into consideration, Jesus said, every idle word that we make will be brought into judgment one day. If we truly believed that, we would talk a lot less. Yeah. I mean, think about it. There's some things we say out of anger or whatever, and it's like, man, do you realize what you just said? So these are things we ought to pay attention to. So he says, those things are the things that defile men, not the things that, um, are, are, that you take in. And that's why people don't even understand when they talked about, you know, the pig and all that stuff in the Old Testament. Yeah, those things were considered unclean animals, but we got to understand why that isn't held today. Because it was really speaking of Jews and Gentiles, Israelites and those that were unclean, those who were believers and those who weren't. Once the law was fulfilled, it says, don't call anything unclean. Remember when uh, Peter got the vision of the... Um, the, the, the uh, yeah, of, of the down. animals coming yeah, down. Yeah. And, um, but it was it was speaking of Gentiles. That was in Acts 10. But it was only speaking of Gentiles. And Peter thought he was talking about the law. So he said, Lord, I eat no unclean food. And the Lord said, you know, what I, what he said, what I bless, you call not unclean. Yeah. 
or something like that. But yeah, don't call what I make clean, unclean. Unclean, yeah. right. So it's like that we are two things. But like we are to, um, you know, treat everybody as one blood in Christ. So once once we get renewed in the spirit of God, then we understand what the true purpose is behind everything. They were ignorant of a lot of things, which is, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with a diet that doesn't have unclean stuff, because we know that this body will shape like anything that we take in. But it's not going to be, you know, a sentence to you getting, you know, cut off from the Lord. Right. It may be hard to serve the Lord if you're 600 pounds, but the thing is, is we still have to take care of this temple. Well, but what defiles the temple is that which is already within. Yeah. Um, Reminds me, Derek Prince does a, uh, a little sermon on no pig, no pork, no bacon. Mm -hmm. and he, I've seen that clip. It's, it's talking mm -hmm. about a religious spirit. Like mm -hmm. He had, was delivering somebody um, from demonic spirits, and that's what came out from the demon, what he was saying, coming mm -hmm. out from the person. It's mm -hmm. a religious spirit that they were mm -hmm. so stuck under this stronghold of needing to keep this law. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that's interesting. And that's what... That's what um, What's his name? Stephen was talking about, and the Bible mentioned several times, ye stiff-necked. Mm -hmm. You stiff-necked people, you resist the Spirit. It's right here for you to receive it, but you won't because of your traditions. Yeah. We got a teaching coming up on pride again, because, I mean, it's like the Lord will have us, like, after every year and a half, renew some things because you get greater understanding. You know, so he means for you to go over things and keep them mm -hmm. fresh, but... You ever see someone, you're telling them the truth in Christ, whether they're Catholic or anything, and they'll say, well, show me in the Bible, and you show them, and they turn to granted. You ever seen that? They get stiff, they turn, well, that's the way you see it, and I'm happy for you. But and it's like, man, what's keeping you from seeing this? Like, you know, believe God's word. But, man, when you got that religious spirit, when they say stiff neck, you're right. I mean, it's just like they're just, but they're not receiving it. That's what it is. To get the discernment. Mm -hmm. It's like, not that I don't understand you, I won't receive it because it goes against my tradition. So who do you love, God or man? That's the thing that we got to think about. Yeah. All right, let's go to Matthew 11. To finish off what Sarah was saying in mm -hmm. Ephesians 5, it continues on. It says, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God. Upon the children of disobedience. Mm -hmm. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Amen. And for me personally, in my life, I've noticed mostly that uh, the devil doesn't attack through other people. It's not a very clear attack. It's more like you gain some friends, uh, and then they're like, you know, they're very jokey. And then they lead you away to something else. It's mm -hmm. not. It's not a very clear. You know, mm -hmm. they want you to put your guard down, and you know, it always starts off with like hanging out, mm -hmm. making you feel uh, accepted, making you feel received. Yeah. But the easiest way to tell the difference between that group that you don't want to be a part of is just let let them not deceive you with vain words. Mm -hmm. you know, if that tree has. Dirty fruit, don't don't even take part in it. You're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what really cuts through is Jesus. Mm -hmm. You get in any group and you talk about Jesus, you'll find like even the appetites of some people just, you thought they were cool, but now all of a sudden they're blowing yeah. you off. Because yeah. it's like, oh, now we're getting to the root of the problem here. So you're not my nice neighbor next door that likes to bake cookies and hang out. <laughs> you know, that was for your benefit. But now that we're talking about Jesus, yeah. now it's, oh, I don't want nothing to do with you. It's just so funny. But you're right, bro. The devil attacks close. 
he gets in. You know, it's as close as he can to try and deter yeah. you, but it's always something worldly. Like he said, they may start out as friends, like they're, you know, into you, you know, in, in groups and things. And, oh, yeah, I know the Lord. I grew up in that. But then little by little, they're like taking you in another direction away from the truth. And it's just like, you know what? We need to cling to what I'm about. So we can't be ashamed of who we are in Christ. We got to start standing for him no matter what. Yeah. I had a girl the other day. I'm at the bus stop. She was trying to talk to me, like trying to put the moves on and stuff like that. You know, and I'm just sitting there listening. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, um, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> That's always You know, up. and I mean, she kind of like... Um, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus, you know, whatever. And then by the time we got on the bus, I thought we were going to sit and talk about the Lord. She walked all the way to the back, put her headphones on. So I said, okay, you know, that's what it is. But don't try and move me with this, man. This is about Christ. Yeah. That actually happened to me when I was taking the Max one time. This guy walks up and he's like, oh, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, my name. And I was like, hey, my name is Sarah. And he's like, so what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to Safeway. He's like, oh, you'll have to show me which Safeway. I was like, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Next Max rolls up, he gets off and takes yeah. off. Yeah, you want to get rid of the devil? Just <laughs> mention Jesus. <laughs> Wait, we had uh, we, <laughs> I can't beat that. That's not good. <laughs> oh, Finally just kicked him off to the Max. You know, the same thing. <laughs> exactly. You're my role models. Oh, man. But uh, according to that, that same uh, check the fruit and mention Jesus. Mm-hmm. We had a, we have neighbors, and they've been they've been our neighbors for three years now, and they're not Christian. And um, we just bring we bring them over. We hang out. You know, Deborah would cook something, or like you know, I'll make something, and I'll just invite them over. You know, the 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 the, the guy in the family. He liked playing games. You know, I have an Xbox, so he just come over play some games. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what happened? Uh, recently was we we always talk about Jesus they know about Jesus but recently something came up where we like we're just really bold in our faith and that relationship just ended mm-hmm. it just ended mm-hmm. it was like something something came like we were just honest about our faith and it just ended and uh, and it's just so interesting because we could have maintained that relationship. We could have just kept going with it. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't going anywhere. Right. It was just vain. It was just right. like, I can lie to myself and say, oh yeah, I'm ministering. But man, they're actually distracting me. Mm-hmm. And what do I care what they think? Like, mm-hmm. what do I care what time I'm spending with them? That's so true. Because it's like, if we do hang out with people and we don't minister to them, then, then the question after a while, you could see once or twice or a few times, but then what are you really doing? Mm-hmm. You know, because it seems like you're just enjoying a carnal relationship some, exactly. with someone and you're not telling them about Christ. Mm-hmm. So you're holy, you ever notice when you've done that a few times with people, just have casual conversations or hangouts, the Holy Ghost will tell you, you should have spoke to this person today. And you get convicted. So yeah. then when you go and try it, you'll find out that wasn't a friendship at all. Mm-hmm. I like what you guys have done because to me, man, you want to be set free in this world. Mention Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the common denominator behind all things. You can always tell when you're a de- in a demon-infested environment because it'll always try to, you know, push Jesus aside. Mm-hmm. Whenever you bring them up, you should see when I bring them up at, at work, there's a lot of, you know, scratching the ear. And some people are like, I know he ain't going to shut up and there's cameras everywhere, so I'm just going to walk out of the room. Like, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. Then there's some people that are open to receiving it, but... I realize the more we bring up Jesus, 
he sets you free. Yes. It, he really does. I mean, whatever it is that might have had you kind of nervous about talking about it, talk about him. Even at the times when you feel like, oh, man, if I say this, this may cause trouble, say it. Because that's the enemy trying to keep your mind, yeah, yeah. trying to keep you, um, you know, caught up and not set free. But I realized even for every little thing, like when one guy um, at the job was talking about, oh, it's such and such, 2018, the year of the year of our Lord. Oh, not my Lord. I said, well, he's my Lord, Jesus Christ, you know, and I just felt like something break off. I'm telling you, the more we get used to standing for him, the Lord's going to set you free. That's what the trick is. The reason why these, these controversies and these things get brought up, it's to try and bind you. So that's a test. Mm -hmm. So, you know, be set free in Christ. Stand for him. The Lord will pour into that cup even more because he knows, okay, we're starting to get behind enemy lines and you're going to need this. So, man, oh, yeah. it's, it's better to go straight forward and like cut straight too. Because mm -hmm. we, we spent like two years just like slowly bringing them. We took them out evangelizing. They've seen healings and they're just like, what the heck is going on, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you have that opportunity, like you say, it's just just be blunt just be blunt mm -hmm. it, that that demon has to respond mm -hmm. and they get to they get to separate themselves say hold on now i don't really believe that and they have to confront that demon inside yeah. of them so it, yeah you're the more right. blunt, and i mean when it puts guile into you when you're not you know speaking of jesus like you know like when it talks about being deceptive jesus never had anyone come to the gospel without telling them first that they were getting themselves into. Right. But, you know, what we try and do is, well, let's just get to know them. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says, he that winneth souls is wise. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what we find in often cases, we end up building a soul tie before we've even mentioned Jesus. That's when you feel like your heart has been ripped out when you do mention him and the separation begins. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is better to know up front, hey, like Jesus said, if you be after me, and take up your cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. Jesus never lied. He never played games with anybody. Mm -hmm. So that's what we got to start doing is being up front with people too. Because you'll find out when they reject Jesus, this is another thing I'm learning. Mm -hmm. I find out I didn't like them that much after all. <laughs> Once I see them turn away my Lord or give me the stank eye or call me right. a name because right. I brought him up, I'm like, well, Lord, your enemies are my enemies. You know, not yeah. that I wasn't trying to win them, but it's like, now that I see what they think of you, Whatever I thought of them has been erased because you're talking about my Lord. You died on the cross for me. You get, get offended because of that. That's you right. Get the heck out of my house. Amen. This is Matthew 11. We'll begin at verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of, command, of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had um, heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and they said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? So John is having a moment of doubt. Even though when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. So now that he's in prison, I don't think he intended that this would happen. You know, we can all have a moment of doubt. I think John thought that he and Jesus were going to kind of, you know, walk together. He was going to get to see more of what Jesus did. But you see, this was the ministry of John, only to introduce and to baptize people to Christ. Now that his job is over, he's in prison thinking, man, I didn't know it was going to turn out like this. So he was just saying, hey, before I die, are you the one? That's pretty much what he said. Jesus answered and said unto them, go and shoot John again. 
those things which ye do see and hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Mm -hmm. Now, you see, because Jesus comes right down Main Street, we got to understand that everything that he tells us is for our edification. It's out of love that we might receive him. So he said, blessed is anyone who's not offended in me. Because Jesus can be offensive. I mean, that's just a fact. The truth is confrontational. Verse 7, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitude concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken in the wind? And what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, those they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. Now you guys know, just by looking at this, what spirit Jesus was addressing. Because he said, if you think that being dressed like a Pharisee is what you think you were going to see in John, that's not who I sent. You know, the Bible makes clear John was in locust and, you know, eating locust and honey. And he, you know, camel's hair around him. You know, John did not look like your average church person. Let's understand this, <laughs> you know. So Jesus said, hey, if you're looking for a religious guy or those men in Saul Raymond, they're in king's palaces. Jesus was out amongst the people in the trenches, in the battle. So he says, but what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, and I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way uh, before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding, he is least, he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. So he that would be least in the kingdom would be a servant like Christ. So you see, when you when you lower yourself in Christ, or God is allowed to, or you lower yourself, God will exalt you. But you see, he that is greater than John is Jesus Christ. So Jesus lowered himself. John just came out from you know the wilderness and, and preached the gospel. So he says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. If you are a religious thinking individual, you will not receive what verse 12 has said. You will believe that we are not supposed to fight for the kingdom, even though the Bible makes clear that we ought to contend for the faith. But a lot of people don't think, well, I don't need to do anything. Once I got saved, I was saved by faith through grace, and they were. But the, the Spirit will lead you unto good works. How can we have a great cloud of witnesses that the Bible is telling us about, people rooting for us, pulling for us? How do we sit amongst John, sit amongst Peter, sit amongst Daniel, sit amongst Abraham? All these guys have resumes. Look at, look at Esther. Look at um, Ruth. Look at anyone that believed. They put themselves on the line in faith. You know who made the Hall of Faith? Rahab the harlot. Now, some people may say, well, why is she in there? You know, but you got to look at this. She was in a Nephilim town, all right, a prostitute that was held captive, that believed that the children of Israel were going to destroy the Amorites in, in Jericho. So she put her life on the line to hide two of the Lord's spies. And then... um. 
you know, um, let them go so that they might know what to do and win the battle. So they told her, leave a red um, velvet red rope outside of your window so that we will know that you're the one that helped us and they won't attack them. But see, that took real faith. People don't know how scary the Nephilim tribes were, but even if they would have caught her doing whatever, they probably would have ripped her head from her shoulders. So you see, these people reacted in faith. No matter what it was, it was in faith. Mm -hmm. So we got to understand that Christians are not people that sit down. They may sit down to learn. They may sit down to get ready. They may be still until they're endowed with power. But when they move, they're going to leave scorched earth behind them because that's what God wants us to do. Take the kingdom by force. Don't take your salvation for granted and don't let anybody tell you to do that. Going to church is not the same thing as doing the will of the Lord. If those guys weren't lazy, how do we sit amongst them and then find ourselves, you know, thinking that we're going to get the same reward? You wouldn't get that in the world and you're expecting that from God. God is telling you, have faith, do my will. If you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. He said, in my heart, in my um, vineyard, there are um, the, the uh, harvest. What did he say? The harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. few. Mm -hmm. So he's expecting laborers out there to do his righteous works. Right. All right, verse 13. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, Elijah, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation... It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows. Now, didn't Jesus notice something different about the generation coming as opposed to the one that was? Mm -hmm. He said, man, what do we see about them? Verse 17, and saying, we have piped unto you and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you and ye have not lamented. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he hath the devil. So, and so that's a religious mind. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. So, you know, when it says wisdom is justified of her children, no matter what way you approach a religious mind with the truth, they're always going to find fault with it. Something's not going to be right. Everybody, you know, you can't even serve tea and cookies because they'll probably say that, you know, the cookies were stale and the tea was bad. You you know? right. The tea was served by Beelzebub. You know, it's just things that we've got to get beyond in Christ, man. You know, but he's saying no matter what, John came not doing anything and they didn't like him because he wasn't what they thought he should be or how he should look. Jesus came to reach the people, but they weren't even aware that Jesus wasn't partaking in sin. He became all things to all men that men might get saved. That's what Paul was talking about. It doesn't mean that he was a drunk. He might have had a glass of wine. Some people are saying grape juice, but they wouldn't have called him a wine bibber with grape juice. He probably had a glass of wine, okay? But the fact of the matter is they couldn't see the wisdom behind what Jesus was doing. Now, I'm not telling anybody, go out there and drink and do this and that. I'm saying be led by the Spirit and that what you mm -hmm. do. But no matter which way Jesus came, they had a problem with him. They always had fault with him. And this is what you find in the religious mind. So it's like, well, what? all right, Jesus is saying, you didn't believe me. So why don't you believe John? He came more sanctified than anybody here. 
But you see, a religious mind is, no, it's got to be right. It's got to be perfect. Everyone has to say the same thing. A hallelujah every five minutes. And we would prefer that you say amen after everything that the pastor does. You know, pastor appreciation dinners and all this stuff. Hey, look, I'm just saying we ought to give the glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible right. says give honor to whom honors do, but we can't get beyond that. There is no one but Christ. That's, right. That's who we all got to be conformed to. So we gotta, can't let religion get the best of us. Let's go to Matthew 19. Matthew 19 and 13. Let's look at this. Okay, half the time when you argue with people in church about the truth in Christ and you're showing the Bible, that is the religious spirit. Oof. And, the, you know, sometimes we just can't argue with people. You tell them they don't want to hear it, move on. It's not worth you getting tested and getting angry to the point to where you find yourself sinning before the Lord. And that's why Jesus always said, kick the dust off your feet, because he knows if you remain and you sit around them, what will end up happening is you'll either start bending in their direction or what. But Jesus is saying, hey, like you guys did, divide. And this kingdom has got to be divided. You know, it's got to be taken to a place of, hey, I'm either with Christ or you're with Antichrist. Right, right. That's what the gospel reveals. Amen. Are you dealing with Christ or Antichrist? Amen. You know, all right. So this is Matthew uh, 19 and 13. Then, then were they brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. I mean, what's wrong with these guys? Look at verse 14. But Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and, and departed thence. So we got to understand this, too, because, you see, a religious-minded person won't even want certain kids in the midst. I love when kids are here. I don't like them messing with the recorder, but, you know, if they're here and they play around and stuff, you know, you can be absorbed into getting more. But you never feel like it's such a religious setting. I don't want any kids. No one asking questions. No one talking. I, I mean, I'm willing to challenge anybody. If you don't think your pastors are religious... Raise your hand in the middle of service and ask him a question and see won't he get offended. That's something you got to recognize in a religious setting because you know what they're telling you? Who are you to interrupt me? Ask me questions later. No, you can ask me questions right now because this is for edification. Yeah. This is what needs to be done. You know, people need the truth. So, so he says um, in verse 16, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life? And he said unto him, What callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So, you know, a lot of people use this, this um, verse here to try and say Jesus isn't God. That's not what Jesus meant. But we're going to get into it. But the point he was making here was, that only only those who by the Spirit can call Jesus Lord can call him Master. If you don't even know what good is, how can you call someone good? That's why he tells us to get ourselves together right. so we can properly judge what is good and what is not. Mm -hmm. So Jesus knew this man's heart. He tried to butter him up. Good Master. You know, what, must, what good thing must I do? Jesus said, all right, keep the commandments. Look at verse 18. And he saith unto him, which... 
Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. All of those things were about loving your neighbor. These five commandments, remember the first five are for, are for um, God and the last five are for your, are for your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Jesus gave the last first. So he says, honor thy father and thy mother and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt um, have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So he loved his neighbor. Who didn't he love? Uh, God. He didn't love God. So you see, this man had the appearance of being righteous. Oh, yeah, sure, I keep all these things. And this could be said for, you know, many of us today. And the Lord says, okay, come and follow me. See, now it's, well, I got some things to do first, Lord. And I mean, we, we love the Lord, and the Lord knows that he's working with us. But the point is, is we can't pretend to be more than we are. You know, if we're, being, if we're growing in grace and becoming like Christ, let the Lord work in us. But you see, many of us have the appearance of being righteous until the Lord asks you to do something that'll make you kind of, hmm, um, well, that is the principle there. So if I say this, it may cost me my job. Who are you conscious of? This man loved the appearance of being good, but he wasn't good. So he didn't even fool Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus just said, all right, because I know that, you know, I didn't touch on what you really love. You love your money. You love the things that, you know, you have here. So if I'm telling you to depart from it and follow me, the man didn't even give him an answer. He didn't even say how much. He didn't even say how little. He didn't even say, can I get back to you later in the week? He walked away because where his Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So is that of a religious thinking person. Yep. Oh, so he says, um, verse 23, then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. You hear that, Creflo Dollar? You hear that, Joel Steve? All these guys preaching filth out there about prosperity doctrine. And Jesus here says that a rich man will hardly enter into heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But when his disciples heard it, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. And this is something that we've got to learn and understand when it comes to doing the righteous works of God. With men, things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. So when we're asked questions about what we should do or how we should be, or when we decide to judge a matter, we have to ask ourselves, is this of men or is it of God? Because if it's of God and it's the same God we all love and we know, then with God, there is nothing impossible. So God wants to move our minds from the carnal and move it unto the spiritual to where we have no limitations in what God can do. Amen. He wants to move that veil from us that we might see. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, 
that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall sit also, and ye shall also, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So what we ought to understand, he said to his disciples, if we be disciples of Christ, this, this rings loud to us too. If you have followed me in the regeneration, the regening process from Adam unto Christ, being born again, if you follow me through this process, and that process becomes complete in you, as he sits and he, he has the special place for the disciples, but we will be the bride of Christ that sits among him. So you see, the gospel, like Pastor Price has said for years, and I agree, it's organic. You can't join it. You can't be a part of it. You have to be born into it and grow into it. That's why Jesus uses organic terms. Seeds, trees, fruit, wheat, tares, vineyards, gardens, all these things. Because the only way into the kingdom of God is you've got to be born in through the spirit and go through that process of regeneration that Christ be formed in you. That's what's not preaching today, being born again and the real meaning of it. Not just sitting in church now every week because you can move from a street person unto a religious person. And what Jesus called that is, is like making someone twofold the child of hell. Because, okay, they might have left the world, but now they still haven't really known Jesus, nor have a desire to. So they just want to follow him. I mean, they just want to follow religion. And now that they're not up under the people they were in the world, now they're just sitting up under the pastor. What are you going to say, sister? Yeah, that's in Matthew 23, right? Mm -hmm. We were going there, that. too. Yeah. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Hey, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I was, I was and um, where it says in Matthew twenty three thirteen, um, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Exactly, and that's exactly what it comes, what it boils down to. That, you know, people will begin to follow more religion and, and other men and still not make it to Christ. So it is important that we understand and we teach, you know, relationship cannot be replaced through religion. And that's what pastors should be telling people that, God, you're only sitting here one day that you might do the work yourselves. It is important that we let people know that because a lot of people will think that this is all we need to do. Stephen was saved six months. Signs and miracles following him, man, doing the will of the Lord. It's not even about, you know, how long. It's more to do with what we're willing to do in Christ. What, what, How much we give to God that he can work through us that he might do what he needs to do. But what keeps us from being born again and going through that process is there are things that we love more than God. And that's what we've got to be careful. So where our sister Deborah ended in Matthew uh, 23 and 15, I believe, right? Yeah. All right, let's start at verse 16. And he says, you know what? i got to jump back a minute. Uh, let's start at verse 1. And then we're just going to jump over what uh, Deborah had. But that was awesome how, you know, the Spirit picked it up because we were going there too. Mm -hmm. um, this is Matthew 23 and 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, 
the scribes and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And that's one thing we can say about our Lord and Savior. He was not someone that just talked. He showed, he revealed, he presented, you know, and he sacrificed himself for you and I. So what Jesus did, he expects us to be the same way concerning him. But people try and knock down the gospel. You know what does that? A religious spirit. Nobody else in my church is doing it, so why should I? We've got to get past this in Christ. Jesus is the standard. So he says, but all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So, you know, high priests were judged according to, you know, how long your garment was or the way it was dressed and your phylacteries were how broad your, um, your books were. Like when you would have a bunch of notes, a person with a large, you know, with large phylacteries, they were considered well-learned and studied. So he's saying what they do, they do for men. And we've got to ask ourselves again, what we do for men and what we do for God. Because everybody can be bad in church. Everybody's bad at home or around other religious people. But what happens when there's nobody around? Are we that bold then? Do we talk to people about Jesus then? Do we go in for coffee with the potential to win that person to the Lord? Do we get on the buses or wherever we go to get gas to talk to people about Jesus? Now, we know that sometimes you don't have time, but the point I'm making is, do we live a life that is close to how we live when we're around believers? Right. But he said they do things to be seen of men. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people, they wouldn't do it any other time, but in a religious setting, oh, man, they're the biggest mouth you see in there, you know? <laughs> but then when it comes out to the world, they're, whew, you know, I just hope nobody asks. So, you know, we got we to gotta get it together in Christ. Look at verse 6. Uh, and love the uttermost parts at feast in the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. See, they love that. But be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father. You hear that, Roman Catholics? Upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And that's one thing I love what Jesus made about the fivefold ministry. Mm -hmm. It is all service. None of it is your stature, your high chair, your seat, your throne. You've made it to a place in God. It is all greater service. For real people that are out there pastoring, teaching, you know, prophets, I mean, prophets, Everybody wants to write on their card at print works, um, prophet such and such from Detroit, um, such and such, this one or that one. But you know what? In those days, a real prophet never asked to be one. God came and found them because they knew to be a prophet was almost like a death sentence. Many times you had to go into a town where people hated God and you had to stand there in boldness and tell them the truth. But today, everybody's putting a little... You know, well, I'm this one. You know, I'm, I'm elder, whatever, whatever. And I'm, the, I'm not saying you can't have elders in churches, but when people start really throwing titles on something like they've got something, 
Man, those things are not of God. He said, man, you're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. But if you really want those offices, be a servant. Be a real servant for Christ. Because trust me, when you realize you come into the, th the stage of pastor or any of these things, you realize you'll be doing more as far as giving and humbling yourself than you will actually commanding people that you must do this and that. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying, huh? Somebody says something? No, I'm, I'm oh, oh, oh. You. Yeah. Yeah, you find yourself in many... I thought I heard a voice come out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> Lord, is that you? Something like that. <laughs> you know? But... I heard something. Mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. I know, right? So it's like, but you will find yourself serving more. I mean, even to a point, man, ministry will break your heart. I'm telling it will break your heart, but only to give you more of a heart of Jesus. But ministry is a hard thing. I thought it was just, you know, you just preach and everybody clap for you and you, you know, that's how I walked in. But man, there's some days I'm like, Lord, I just don't have it. I don't know what to do. But you're going to find yourself broken many days before him. Mm -hmm. But that's what God wants you to do. I mean, ain't nothing like a broken and contrite heart. That's right. God will not despise. Mm -hmm. So it puts more service upon you only to humble you and make you more like Jesus. We did that teaching a couple of years ago, spectators and participators. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Two different groups of people. Religious people will always tell people, well, yeah, look at this. He should be doing this. He should be doing that. But get in it. Because I remember there were a lot of pastors I knew. I used to talk a lot of smack. Yeah, well, he's good, but he didn't have to say that. Then I get into it, and it's like, now I understand exactly how they felt. But I'm telling you, it's just two different perspectives. I know you can, you think that you can look at participants and say, well, see, I could do that. All you got to do is this. From your vantage point, you cannot see it. You get in it, now your vantage point changes, and then the perspective changes. So that's what we need to do in Christ, you know? Get into ministry, get into service. I think it's great when you have that responsibility, making disciples, leading people to the Lord, caring for the brethren. It'll only give you a heart more after Jesus. That's right. Amen. And I'm, this is coming from one of the most selfish people that ever lived. So I don't think I'm trying to look down on anybody. I'm telling you, the thing that gives you a heart for the Lord is to do his work. Then you understand him better. But you might decide to get angry with your brother in the Lord. And then the Lord is telling you, yeah, but this is what you do to me. So how can you get mad at him? You're worse. The Holy Ghost will say, look at you. Look at your life. And you're like, yeah, Lord, you're right. I repent. But we need that humbling. Because from the outside, yeah. you just can't do it. Mm -hmm. So he says in verse 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he shall be humbled. And he, he, sh and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Uh, let's see if I get any other. Yeah. All right, let's look at um, 16. And he says, Woe unto you, blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, and whether, you're, and whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. You know, people are still trying to answer this question today. And that's why Jesus hated the religious mind. You go to Matthew 24, just the very next chapter. What happens? They came out of the temple and they said, Lord, look at all the shoe. Look at all the trappings of the temple. Man, this is going to be an amazing work when they get done with it. Jesus said, you see all this? 
Not one stone will be left upon another till all be fulfilled. So Jesus wanted to make known to them, God, stop looking at this religious nonsense. It means nothing to me. Christ in you was the hope of glory. That's what God wants. You are the temple of God. You, We are the temple. But you see how religious man is, oh man, look at it. I can tell God is in here. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more beautiful than a Roman Catholic cathedral. Yeah. If you really want to believe that, they got gold. I mean, they got beautiful marble and everything set up. I had the privilege of going into St. Patrick's Cathedral. Man, beautiful place on the inside. Mm-hmm. You would feel like you are, you know, like a Roman king just sitting up in there. But is the presence of God in there? The answer is no, because they demean Jesus Christ. These people believe that you can pray to Mary, that you can pay for your saved loved ones to get out of purgatory. There's no place for that in Scripture. So if you're looking at what's on the outside that you think is going to look religious, or you think the presence of God is there, Jesus said in Luke 17, I think in verse 20 or 21, he said, The kingdom cometh not with observation. You cannot say, look here or look there. He said, behold, the kingdom is within you. That's right. It's within us, the ecclesia, the church. Yeah, Martin. Back to the St. Peter's Basilica up there. Uh, mm-hmm. The Pope had an interview with his atheist friend, mm-hmm. and he said that there's no hell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, the church is trying to cover that up right now, but it's been interviewed. Mm-hmm. So within like two hours... The plaster from the St. Peter's Basilica started falling onto people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So when he said there's no God in there, it's like, I think he is there. He's trying to, like, yeah, destroy it all. that place down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you walk in there, it looks like MTV Cribs a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So he says, uh, let's look at verse 23. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, those are like um, plants, and um, have ointment and uh, of the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So he's saying, you know, if you're going to judge, where's your mercy? Where's your grace? You know, and that's one thing we got to understand about the law. The law was hard. The law was hard on people, you know. I mean, it was one of those things that we had to obey it or else. God doesn't want to twist your arm into following him. God wants you to follow him by nature. So he says, ye blind gods which strain at a net and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and, um, and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first, that which was, is within the cup and platter, uh, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, those are like tombs, like graves, um, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. So, you know, you get a lot of pomp, you get a lot of excitement, you get a lot of shaking in church. But is the spirit there? Is the Holy Ghost working? Are people being affected by the gospel? So Jesus called them dead men's bones. There's no life. You're seeking the living amongst the dead. That's what the angels told them. Why are you looking for Christ here at the cemetery, at the tomb? You guys are seeking for the living amongst the dead. We've got to be in spirit-filled places that we can grow in spirit. There's always somebody further along in the Lord than us, but 
But God wants us, wants us all to reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. Selflessness, putting ourselves out there. We all in here know enough Bible to take one person under our wing and teach them the gospel. Everybody in here know, because you know how we know? While we're here talking, all we do is discuss scripture. So that tells us all right there, we can all disciple people. Some of us, man, the word just comes right off just like that. That's because the word is in you. And I'm not pushing works. I'm just saying that God means for us to be alive in him. But let's be the church, not go to church. Let's be the church. Now, the church can all be in a building together. There's nothing wrong with that. But be the church of God always, not just when you're there, but wherever you go. Yes, sir. Can I read the definitions to widen in the Greek? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so this is uh, Strong's Light Concordance G2867. Mm -hmm. And it means to cover with lime, plaster over, whitewash. The Jews were uh, accustomed to whitewash their the entrances to the sepulchers mm -hmm. as a warning against the vomit by touching them. Term applied to a hypocrite who conceals his malice under an outward assumption of piety. You see that? So Jesus knew exactly what he was saying concerning them. And you guys don't even practice what you preach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's go to um, let's go to Matthew uh, 20 and 29. Let's look at this. You want to see more religion? Matthew 20 and 29. Which app they use there? My sword? Yes. Yeah, I love that My Sword app. Yeah. You guys should get Wait, if you have um yeah. if you have iPhone, then you have to um what is it called? E sword. Yeah. If you have um iPhone. Oh, there's pocket sword too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that one is really good. Like for looking up different words, it'll pull it right up in the Greek. And I like it because even like they'll have some beginning words, but then there's other words beneath. If you push on them, mm -hmm. it gives you even greater definition into what these things might mean. Occurrences. Yeah. So it's it's awesome. All right. So this is Matthew 20 and we're going to begin at verse uh, 29. Look at this. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him and behold, Two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord... That your eyes, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So you know these people are telling them they should hold their peace and be silent because the Messiah is coming through. Wait a minute, you're not the one blind, and that's why people get mad at people that are praising in church. And I used to be like this when I was in church, and I would see that person in front of me back in the day with his hands up. And they're just singing every song, and they're just so happy. I'm like, man, what are you happy about? Sit down. They don't take all of that. But see, that was a religious spirit. But that person would probably turn and tell me, man, if you know what I've been through, <laughs> it would take that and a lot more than that. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. And I'm grateful to the Lord for what he has done for me. But you see, a religious spirit, it don't take all that. Sit down. You're annoying the pastor right now. Wait a minute. You're not the one blind. 
Salvation is for the desperate, but religious thinking people, you, you say a couple of words in there when the Pope is coming in and see, won't you get thrown out? Because they want everyone silent. You're like, this is some historical moment, like the Messiah is being revealed. That's religion. There's this church called the Church of Christ. They don't even believe in music. They believe that having music in church is not godly. When the Bible says, make a joyful sound unto the Lord, where David even praised and danced before the Lord. So, but religious thinking people, where do they get this stuff? They've got no spirit. That's why when you talk to Jehovah's Witnesses and you tell them about Jesus, they talk about him as if he's the 45th president. Like, yeah, well, yeah, we can admit he's the son of God, but there's no relationship whatsoever. And then they almost get mad when you show verses in the Bible that shows that Jesus is God. Carlin is laughing because he's dealing with them right now. But this is so true that it's like there's no life in them. No, you know, what do you call it? Enthusiasm for Christ Jesus. There's no enthusiasm for it. You know, it's just like, a yeah, well, we know him. He's the son of God. Oh, the Holy Ghost, it's a force. I said, the Holy Ghost is the third person of the Godhead. And you know what they do? They get mad. And then bring you back some printout that they got from some elder from the Watchtower Track Society showing you how the Holy Ghost is just a force. You know why they believe that? Because it hasn't happened to them. They have not the spirit. So because of that, you know, they talk about him like, you know, well, the Holy Ghost is just a force. You wouldn't say that if he came upon you. Yeah. You wouldn't say that if his works came through you, if he revealed this Bible to him yourself. So you see, religion only takes you but so far. It hardens your heart away from Jesus. When God wants intimacy. I would say the spirit of religion is a lot like the spirit of oppression. It is. Oh, yes. Matthew 17. You're right, bro. You are so right. The spirit of religion is like, you know, it's oppression. Because it's like if someone leaves and goes somewhere else and come back, where have you been? You know, the pastor's been looking for you. Hey, wait a minute, man. We're under the perfect law of liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But people try and bind you to tradition. Tie them up. This is the only place where you'll hear God. The spirit of religion goes against God because God's not a dictator, but a religious person is because it's, you know, a dictator is very controlling of their people and what goes, what doesn't go. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is not that way. You no. know, it's freely given, freely received. Mm -hmm. and we have the Holy Spirit freely. Mm -hmm. So if you have to bind somebody and lock them down in your basement saying you're going to worship and get saved my way, you know, then it's just like... That's pretty much what it is, man. When you're dealing with a religious spirit, the Lord may reveal something to you he didn't reveal to anybody else. You go and tell a religious crowd, uh-uh, you are going to be saved my way. You know, so you got to go through the 12-step program and work your way up to where we can decide to trust you to be on your own. See, deep down, you don't want that person saved. You want that person to follow you. So we've got to identify this spirit. All right, Matthew 17 and 1. And at, look, look at how the Lord reveals things, man, through his word. Look at this. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up unto a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. So we always got to pay attention to numbers. I'm not preaching numerology here. 
Six days, Jesus walked with them. But on the seventh day, he was transfigured. He took them up to a mountainous place. So notice that six is like the number for man. Seven is of the spirit. Something spiritual is about to occur. I remember the day when we first found that man. Sarah and I looked at each other at the same time. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did too. But it's just so awesome how God reveals so much in his word. No, but I'm saying like six days and then something spiritual is going to happen. So I'm not saying that it took seven days for it to happen. But after six days, they walked with him. Why would you count six days if they had no significance? You see what I'm saying? You would just say, oh, they followed Jesus for many days and then. But the Bible is revealing six days they walked with the Lord and then were transfigured to walk in the seventh day. I totally hear what you're saying. I just didn't see the after six oh, days. Oh, oh, no, well, it's I'm cool. like, it only says six. Where's the seventh? But right. After. No, no, that's seven. cool. Right. Can I make a point real quick? Sorry. Quick. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Wait. So the Greek number for that is Greek 1803. Mm-hmm. He added up 18 or 1, 8, and 3 is 12. Look at that. <laughs> People are going to think we're talking numerology in here. We're not. We're just telling you like the, what the Lord reveals. All right, so this is uh, verse 3. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, Elias, Elijah, uh, talking with him. Now that tells you right there, Jesus is the Lord of the Old Testament. How would they know him? Obviously, because he interacted with them. He guided them both. But you showed us to Jehovah's Witnesses, and, well, they were just being kind. So I just leave it alone. Verse 4. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou will let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. So Peter has become religious. Jesus Christ only took them there. Why was he transformed before those closest to him? That they may see who he is. Peter missed the point. He got caught up in all the excitement. Man, we need to make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. So then it says, and while he yet spake, somebody else had to intervene. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. So you see, Jesus was the central focus. So you see, when the Father spoke, everything like everybody departed. He had to stop the show real quick. Hey, this is my beloved son. This is who I'm pleased in. And if we move from religion unto relationship, we have an understanding that Christ in you is the only thing that God is going to be pleased in. You see, God is not looking for you and I to do this. He's looking for Christ in us that we might do this. The only people that God is going to receive back into the kingdom will be those with Christ in them. He said, man, you saw no man after the father spoke, only Jesus. Who was going to do this in us? Only Jesus. Who can get you where you need to be? Only Jesus. Christina's ready to do it with me, right? The chorus. <laughs> I like their fear and love for the Father. Like they they heard God's voice and like most people just think like they hear God's voice and they're gonna be so happy. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's gonna be this light voice, but they 
fell on their faces. Oh, yeah, they knew so they messed up. Probably sound like thunder. But you know what's amazing about this? About this, too, like the Lord is showing me, the relationship between father and son. Because notice, Jesus didn't defend himself. The father spoke. Mm -hmm. And it was like Jesus even knew, guys, he's not mad. He just wants you guys to get the point. Like, get up. Just don't make that dumb mistake again. But the thing he was saying, but look at the relationship. The father spoke and Jesus didn't say, you know, father, I'll deal with it. You know, I'm, I'm educating them. And the father didn't say, you know, to the son, well, you need to go and deal with that. These two are one. They are one. So it's like whatever the father says, the son agrees. Father didn't, son didn't speak against the father. He was just yeah, well, you don't have to do that. You know, don't be afraid, but understand, it's about me, guys. I didn't walk with you for six days only to take you on the transfiguration so you can talk about Moses and Elijah. Hopefully they would have revelation. You are the Lord of the Old Testament. Old Testament, Jesus Christ concealed. New Testament, Jesus Christ revealed. Man, but that's just a part of the religious spirit. It will always throw something in the way of God, between you and God. Uh, I want to make another point. Let's go to Matthew 26. We're about to close, guys, and get John 8. That's where we're going to conclude. Matthew 26, and let's get John 8. Staying strictly in Jesus. I can feel the spirit moving too, man. It's something about the Holy Ghost. Even when, you know, you, we teach and we get into other things. You know, even if you go to some yeah. things in the Old Testament, you know, they're, they're good and you can feel the spirit. But it's nothing like the excitement the Holy Ghost gets when you mention Jesus. There's something about that name that the Holy Ghost moves. That's the only reason he came. I'm not saying other parts of the Bible are not interesting. But man, when you start getting centrally focused on Jesus, man, the Holy Ghost just delights in it because that's the main purpose. Mm -hmm. All right. So it says in verse, uh, this is Matthew 26, I believe. Yep. And we're going to begin at verse one. And it says, and it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said unto his disciples, ye know that after two days is the feast of the Passover and the son of man is betrayed uh, to be crucified. Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the people uh, unto the palace of the high priest, and it was called who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Now this is the religious spirit, but they said not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar among the people. So you see, this is religion at its best. Oh, not in the church. But I'm going to talk behind their back and have them killed some other way. They can worship the feast days, but they can't even see God right here before them, revealing to them what they need to see. Amen. That is the religious spirit. Verse 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, uh, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very uh, precious ointment and poured it on his head. And he sat at meat. And when the disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. See? Religious. Verse 10. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, 
Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work unto me, I mean upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me uh, ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on her body, I mean on my body, she did it uh, for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial for her. So the Lord expects us to be faithful as he is faithful. They didn't even know what she was doing. So they're getting mad because the woman poured the alabaster box of ointment on her. There's another account too. We're not going to go there, but I believe it's in um, it's in Luke 7 and 36 where Jesus um, goes in and the woman, remember um, a Pharisee invited him to come over to his house. Yeah. So Jesus, you know, came with him. And then this woman of sin came and jumped and grabbed Jesus' legs. And, you know, she poured alabaster, alabaster um, oil ointment a box of um, oil over him, and um, she kissed his feet, right? And she wiped his his um, his feet with, she cleaned his feet with her tears and wiped it with her hair. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, daughter, your sins have been forgiven because she didn't say much, but he knew what she was after. Look at how she humbled herself. All she wanted to, was to be redeemed in a society that just said, oh man, look at that dirty harlot. And see, that's the thing about religion too. It feels like it's too clean to touch people that have the potential to be more. Amen. A religious thinking person thinks this way. So when the, um, when the Pharisee saw this, he says, man, you know, you must not know who this woman is. This is a woman of sin and you're treating her like that. And Jesus said, this woman wiped my feet with her tears in her hair and poured this alabaster box on and kissed him. And he says, I've been in your house. You have not given me a kiss, a hug, or nothing, not even anything. But yet you're judging her. So you see, God works on the heart. All that religious, what Sarah says, gobbledygook, that stuff is nothing. It doesn't do anything for God. Let's go to John 8. That's right. John 8. We're going to begin at verse 1. It's Luke uh, 7, 37. Mm -hmm. 37 to 48, I believe. It went the whole thing, yeah. That's right. I appreciate it, bro. It's like we always run out of time. I can't speak for anybody else, but when you love the Lord, you can be in his word all day. It's almost like you got no appetite for anything else. Sleep doesn't matter, man. Sickness don't matter. Anytime you get to be in the spirit with God and get in his word, man, this is all I care about now. Mm -hmm. This is all I want. And I'm asking the Lord to give me a heart after more. All right, this is John 8 and 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him and sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees, why are these guys always hanging around? But see, this is the religious spirit, always looking to tempt you. They're like vipers, that's why. Exactly. <laughs> Brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto her, Master, this woman had taken in, was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? So if you know what Moses' law said, why are you asking me? But see, this is a part of the religious thing. The devil always tempted Jesus to try and find a way that he can catch him. But see, thank God for Jesus. Amen. So he says, uh, verse 6. 
Then they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. And when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out by one, beginning at the elders, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Now, how do you catch somebody in the very act of adultery? Like Pastor Bernard said, I believe it. He said, you know, this woman was set up. How do you catch someone in the middle of the night? And they never brought the man. This was only the woman. So their buddy was involved in this. But they only brought them. They only brought the woman. Tell you, boy, that spirit is ugly. I believe what Jesus wrote here. And Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong. I've got a teaching coming out called the finger of God. I believe that Jesus wrote down in the dirt and I can't prove this. But I believe it was the Ten Commandments because the only other thing written out with the finger of God was the law when Moses received it. And I believe that when he says, um, daughter, are you a part of anything here, you know, or whatever, you know, or, or um, when they were convicted by their conscience, he was writing down, thou shall not commit this, thou shall not do that, thou shall not do this. But whatever it was that they saw, they were convicted by their conscience and walked out. Hey, he who was without sin, cast the first stone. Because you already see what the law is. Anybody not doing these? Raise your hand. And they all walked out being convicted by their own conscience, a religious spirit, you know. So I believe, honestly, this is what he wrote. Lord, forgive me. I'm not trying to add to your word. But I have a teaching coming out called the finger of God and how many times it was used in the Bible and what significance it brought, whether it was to judge, whether it was to you know, bring about law, whether it was to rebuke the seas, you know, the finger of God, the authority, his word, his law is what sets all things in order. And this was a situation out of order. He put it in order. So Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong concerning that, but that's what I feel he's revealed. Yeah, bro. It says in verse seven, when they uh, asked him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but what, what do you say? Because mm-hmm. uh, Moses' law says that you know adultery is wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel that the the religious church nowadays also has the same um, outlook mm-hmm. on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that the Bible does say it's wrong, mm-hmm. um, and that you know the first response they have, they're kind of still stuck in the Moses law, mm-hmm. where it's like let's cast stone and just let's not talk about it and let's mm-hmm. just say it's wrong and that's the end of the story. Yep, amen. It's so true because you find, you know, people don't want to get on that subject. You find very few pastors that will teach on this. I think it needs to be revealed before all, not just to tell somebody is wrong, but where's your stance on it? Show me where your stance is. Are you, do you dislike it to that degree? Or are you that against it right. that you're willing to stand in the face of criticism to tell people the truth? And in often cases, you find what is not said is usually something that a minister or pastor or someone is somewhat hooked to or he's afraid of because usually Jesus never left one stone unturned. He went after everything that was unrighteous. But if you got pastors just sitting there preaching you love, just preaching you this, just preaching you that, how you can be empowered, 
hey, brother, we got something in this world called sin. Mm -hmm. And I know there's many people in here, myself included, that are dealing with this. Can you tell me something that can help me get better in Christ? See, they don't go there. And half the time you find these people got money to make. But you're right. They will not bring up certain things. Why not? I mean, if you see the spirit is taking over, why won't you discuss it? Why won't you confront it? Because in many cases for some of these guys, you're being paid by the very people you're not speaking against. But if you should, you know that your congregation is going to divide. You already know. Some people have got a nephew, a cousin, an uncle, or mother, or father, or whatever that is in this. But God's truth is meant to divide. So a lot of people won't bring forth the truth to hold the congregation together. But that's not what this is about. This is about telling people the truth that they might inherit eternal life. So, you know, it's not just what is being said. Yes, good messages. Yes, brother, you preach the truth. But what have you not been talking about? And I've been here two years. There's something wrong with that because these things need to be addressed. I'm not saying do things to please people, but what I'm saying is the gospel is complete. What that angel told John is eat the whole roll, not just part of it. Eat the whole thing. It is going to be sweet in your, in your mouth, but it's going to be bitter in your belly. Why? Because salvation is sweet. Sanctification, not so sweet, but these things have to be worked out in us. So a, a gospel should be complete. People should talk about everything concerning God's word because God's word covers everything. Yeah, Christina. Just on that, you not, or somebody, a pastor, is pastoring a church, not delivering all of the gospel and the truth is literally lying. You know, they think that they're not because they're keeping it a secret or they're just not speaking about it, so it's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. But keeping that truth that could set someone free. Or protecting somebody. It's just, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's deceptive. It is. And it's leading people into hell. And so that right there is a lying spirit. Absolutely. I see it as people are scared to talk about it because it's like, oh, it's such a big sin, such a big deal that we can't address it. Mm -hmm. Or we might offend somebody. Yeah. And Jesus... When they, when they, you know, they planned that and they tried to draw out mm -hmm. that lady. They, it was a setup. It had to mm -hmm. be a setup, mm -hmm. right? Sound like it was on cops or something, right? <laughs> oh no! Right? Like ready, got it. Right, yeah, you're and right. When Jesus saw her, it was just simple. It was like it's just a sin, mm -hmm. and whoever here has sin has no sin. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, throw the first stone, because mm -hmm. he knew it was like, yeah, she she was an adultery homosexuality yeah, it's a sin mm -hmm. don't 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 blow it out of proportion and use your imagination to make it something that's not that's but what i believe too because i've heard pastors talk about this in the end times it's going to come down to two things saints and sodomites mm -hmm. that's all it's going to come down to that is what it's going to be in the end times the question that is going to get you fired from your job is will you stand for it or mm -hmm. won't you they, they'll accept you talking about Jesus, but okay, now we got a question. It's already in Canada. You can't go to Romans 1 and start preaching about this. This is the thing that it's going to boil down to, saint or sodomite. And I mean, in the end, we're going to have to contend with this, man. You can't run from this. Because there are times, like even at the conference, I don't feel like talking about some of this stuff. But when the Lord tells me, man, you've got to talk about this, you ignoring it is not going to make it go away. Yeah. You've got to confront this spirit that other people may have confidence and believe. Right. But people are so afraid of this. And I mean, you know, 
we just got to work this out in Christ. You want to say one thing? Well, yeah, as it continues on, he didn't leave her in, in her state, though. He told her to go and sin no more. That's right. So it's like, yeah, when, when we, we don't want to, you don't want to bash people, but it's just like, you know, not talking about it, but then if it is addressed, we tell people, hey, you know what? The Lord's going to work this out of your life, but you have to give up that sin. You have to give up homosexuality. You have to realize the demons behind it and ask for forgiveness, give forgiveness, and be set free from it. Don't live that life anymore. Exactly. You know, and that's why we got to we got to get some steel poured in our spine and the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. But we've got to be, we are the only hope that the world has in Christ. That's it, man. This is all that matters. And it's like, if we know the truth, man, stand for Jesus. He would do it for you. He's done it for us. Mm -hmm. So he says, and when Jesus lifted himself up and saw none of the woman, um, none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where art thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So, you know, that's the Lord. That's redemption. That's what every believer sees, the potential of what could be. Not deceived, but to see you know what? Let me get the gospel to them. Maybe they'll change. Verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge me, I mean, you judge after the flesh. I judge no man, and if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself and the Father that sent me beareth a witness of me. And we just got an example of that in Matthew 17. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus to the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. So that's what we got to understand, too, in preaching the truth out there for Jesus. Only God knows when your time is. The devil has no power to take you at any time. It is up to God what he decides to do. Amen. And in most cases, he's going to leave you there until he is done. Verse 21. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. So Jesus was telling them straight up, guys, there's going to come a judgment. You guys are going to be sitting before my throne. As I told those, those young men in the group that we had on um, Saturday, I said, guys, there's no unbelievers beyond the grave. Mm -hmm. On this side of things, you got everybody with their skepticism, Catholics, this, that, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists. They all believe what they believe about their God. On the other side of things, Everybody knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. There are no unbelievers beyond the grave. So he says, you guys don't want to hear me? You're going to die in your sins. Then said they unto him, who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, 
even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say uh, and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that, um, that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. So what we see here is, he said, If you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he. That's what the difference is between religion and relationship. Religion tells you about Jesus. Relationship brings you into knowing Jesus. Mm -hmm. To know Jesus is to lift him up. You've got no other alternative because he has revealed himself to you as to who he is. Right. Let's not let this shoe by us. So he says, and he hath sent me is with me. He that sent me is with me. Uh, the Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Not sometimes, always. That's what we need, a fulfilling. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then say, set you free, make you free. Why? Because the more we know of Jesus, the more that he takes out of our lives, making us like him. So he says, hey, if you continue in my word. So if we don't continue in his word, we are not his disciples. You cannot pray to Mary and be a disciple in Jesus. You can't believe Jesus came back in 1914. You can't believe that Jesus, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. These are things that people have got to get outside of. People saying God has no son. I say to the Muslims, go to Proverbs 30 and 4, where Solomon, who you guys do believe in, has said, who is my son? I mean, who is God and who is his son's name? So even Solomon knew that God had a son. I mean, that's something that people got to know. 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? So now they're Abraham's seed, religious. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed. Jesus didn't deny it. But ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have um, seen with my father, and ye do that uh, which ye have seen with your father. So he's making them know, hey, I'm speaking of my father, and you're acting just like your father. The devil, he's alive. Exactly. <laughs> they answered and said unto them, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. Now, Abraham was known as the most faithful man in this Bible, not even holding his son between he and Jesus, between he and God. So we got to understand that if we be of Abraham's seed, then we are like Christ. Okay, because when people try and bring you up under the Sabbath, all these other laws from the Old Testament, hey, Abraham was before the law. So if we believe in Jesus by faith, we jump over Moses. 
Okay, we jump over Moses right back to Abraham, which are the children of faith. All right, so he says, uh, verse 40, But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Um, ye do, you do the deeds of your father. Then uh, they said unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. So now that Jesus upped himself as to who he is and what he's about, they want to take it a step further. First, they're Abraham's seed. Now they're children of God. So you see what religion does? You start pushing yourself further out instead of just turning to the truth. Now they're promoting themselves. Next thing you know, they'll say they are God. Verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you see, I mean, why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. So when people don't want to receive the gospel, their father is the devil. And we've got to understand that. That doesn't mean we can't continue to try and help and preach to them. But when people resist the gospel, you cannot make them believe it. Anybody that is not born of Christ is born of Antichrist. Uh, and because I tell you the truth, ye believe not. Uh, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not. Because ye are not of God. So there we are in the, in the words, hearing and listening. A hearer will apply this word to their lives and go through the process of being like Christ. A listener will sit in church for 40 years, never changing his life, never coming to the knowledge of the truth. They will stay religious because they refuse to hear the words of God. All right, let me hurry up. Verse 48. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil? They call him God the devil. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not my own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. So Jesus didn't come to glorify himself. He came to glorify the Father. When we come out in the gospel, difference between relationship and religion is that we seek to glorify Jesus Christ. We honor God with our vessels, not for self-glorification. Verse 52. Where am I? I thought I was in 52. It's 52. Then said the Jews unto him, now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? I want to make this point before we close, because a lot of people are going through this. You will pay attention to what a family member or to what a pastor or a man has said that goes against God's word. 
You, you, you're a religious person if you allow this to happen. You cannot let anything, and that includes family, come between you and the gospel. A lot of people will not obey this because they have some pastor or some teacher or someone that told them that God's word is not true. Or, well, let's interpret it this way. This word is of no private interpretation. This word is of the truth that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So when Moses, I mean, when Abraham that day had the Lord and two angels come to his house and they ate, what did they eat, kids or something? Cakes, or, um, and, um, cakes and kids or yeah. something, yeah, that they made. That was Jesus Christ coming to see Abraham. Abraham saw the day of the Lord. God came to visit Abraham. We've got to understand this. He said, Abraham saw it and was glad. So then it says, then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Look at the carnal religious mind. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine their minds going right back to the burning bush, thinking about Moses. Then they took up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out from the midst, out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So Jesus was the first and only invisible man. He went through the midst of them and so passed by as they cast stones at him. Now you see, with all of what Jesus said, people would not believe. And this is what we got to understand about religion. It's an ugly, it's a dirty thing. It keeps you from having a relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. We've got to step outside of that and know God for real. When Jesus said unto people on that last day, Many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name? The thing that Jesus says is, I never knew you. So we ought to have an intimate relationship. That word for new in the Greek is the same word no for, the, um, for Hebrew. When Adam knew his wife, she conceived. We ought to have an intimate relationship, spiritual intercourse with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about an intimate relationship in his word, in prayer, spending time with him alone. And God will live in us and work through us. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, sir. Well, in a marriage, it's like two people become one flesh. So if we're intimate with Jesus Christ, then we will also become one flesh with him. Exactly. That is being married unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. But religion is that dirty thing that will keep people from God and, and like, you know, only let you get by so far. You'll know about Jesus, but you won't know him. Yeah, Christina. Um, can I just read something that goes with this study yeah. about religion? Yeah. Um, so James 1 and 25. Pure religion. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This Amen. man shall be blessed, shall be in, blessed his in his deeds. So blessed in your actions. Amen. Okay, because faith without actions is useless. Mm -hmm. Okay. Amen. Um, if any man among you seem to be religious, 
and uh, bridleth not his tongue, so holdeth not your tongue, because the spirit should hold your tongue, because we know what comes, what's inside of our heart comes out of us. Amen. But deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain, so it's useless. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the religious spirit, pure Amen. religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their afflictions and through their troubles to reach Amen. out to those poor and needy and to keep himself unspotted through from the world, which cannot be done without the Holy Spirit. Amen. So. Amen. So that's that. awesome because and in your spare time, read um first Peter chapter three, you know, when it talks about us being ready to give an answer for why we believe. That is important because if the spirit and the word lives in us. We got to know Jesus, you know, enough to tell people, just tell, and this is another thing religion does, just tells people, well, that's the way God did it. We just got to accept it. There are some things we won't understand on this side of things, but always be ready to give an answer for the faith as to why we have hope in Christ. Because very few people will tell you about that. They'll have you come and join up. And, and a lot of people don't even know what they're giving their lives to or whom they're serving. God wants to break through all of that mystery that we might receive him. That was uh, James 1 and 20, um, uh, 25, 25 to 27. We did a teaching on that too. Yeah, Martin. What's the scripture where God talks about that he blinded the Jews in a way? Like he, so that, um, so that they're, the, he, um, the Hebrew, right? Their hearts were uh, waxing cold or waxing Oh, you're talking about Matthew 13 yeah. and um, and Isaiah um, 6, Six um, 9 through 11, yeah. where he talked about um, shut their eyes and their ears because they see not and they hear not. Yeah. Right. Is that that's, what you mean? Well, that's why the Jews don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, because mm -hmm. they've been purposely blinded mm -hmm. by God just to redeem them later mm -hmm. so then there's you know then he sends his own son to convince these people mm -hmm. it's just like it's like us you know trying to convince the blinded right now you know mm -hmm. it's like it's like the same correlation in a way so mm -hmm. it's like look at look at the struggle i mean it's like he, he keeps quoting scripture and those guys are like no this is not you it's like like they don't believe mm -hmm. it it's like because they didn't they want it to it. be right yeah. exactly mm -hmm. but because but it's also because god blinded them he blinded Paul, too. It was yeah. already in them. Yeah, because like Jesus, he wanted them to see, but they refused to. So he was saying, you know, there is a part, and I'm glad Martin brought that up. There is a place, if you play around with truth long enough, the Bible talks about our conscience being seared. Mm -hmm. You know, that people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So eventually, and then what does it say? Because they receive not the love of the truth. God shall give them strong delusion yeah. that they so will believe a lie yeah. because they refuse not the truth. So First Peter 3, it's about ready to give an answer for why we believe. And Matthew 21, which we didn't get into tonight, 12 through 16. Remember, Jesus went into town. He went into the, um, to the, the synagogue or the temple. But the first thing he did was get the money changers, get all those that were making money in the house of the Lord. And what happened from there? healings, blessings, you know, um, people cured of all types of diseases. And he said that the babes in there, even children were crying and giving their hearts to Jesus. Children were praising Jesus. He said, out of the mouth of babes have thou perfected praise. That's Psalm 8. Mm -hmm. But that's one of those things that, you know, Jesus fulfilled scripture after scripture. But what we need 
to get rid of, to get the spirit really flowing, get the religious spirit out of us and out of here completely so that the atmosphere can become conducive for the spirit to fall and to do things at his leisure. Mm -hmm. we got to give this church back to the Holy Ghost, who's mm -hmm. the governor of the church mm -hmm. and not to man. And that's what I think God is doing. That's why people are breaking in small groups and you're seeing things. God is amalgamating his church. He's bringing people of like minds. God knows, though there may be a congregation of 300, there's some people that are just not going. They're going as far as they want to go. God is going to start setting captives free that they can pursue. I mean, I'll be surprised one day if something happens where we all just end up in some place. We all had the same vision, same dream. Lord told every believer, yeah, meet out here tonight. And you wonder, what are you doing here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had the same vision and dream that you had. God is going to move by his spirit, and he's going to have his people obeying him. But he's going to separate the wheat from the tares. People that have wasted his time, he did it in Numbers 14. For those people that would not go into the land, he said, you know what? Let that generation fall. Bring up 20 years old and, and under. And I'm noticing the Lord is starting to use younger people. And younger people are becoming bold, man. Mm -hmm. These kids want the word. They want Jesus. They're ready to move. Because a lot of the religious crowd just refused to go. Yep. Amen. They were happy being a Baptist, a Methodist, you know, and everything else. Mm -hmm. But I just want to tell people out there, I love you. Let's pursue a relationship with Jesus and let's get out of the religious mind because it cannot bring you closer to God. All right. That'll be quick. Psalms 112. Psalms what? 112. Actually, go 111 and 7. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think that God blinded them. I think that they were no, there's, there's scripture where he talks about it because that's why the Jews don't believe that he's the Messiah. It's because there's something in the Old Testament that was written. It also it, says in Matthew that they wanted to believe and that they actually did believe that he was Jesus, but because of their position, right. they didn't change. Right, because he came on a donkey, so I can lose this guy. So I expect him to come on a mm -hmm. flying horse or something. <laughs> right, so their their belief was there. It was just the fear of man and the fear of being denounced as a, a high place and position mm -hmm. was above their belief in God. Right. But there is, sorry, Carlin, there is the scripture that talks about that in the Old Testament. That, It's, it's in Isaiah. Isaiah? Mm-hmm. Okay. Isaiah 6. Go ahead. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon earth, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. 
Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Unto the upright there ariseth light and the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. The good man showeth forth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. The wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. That's what I have. All right, let's go to Daniel 10 and verse 1. You read that last name. verses here. Right. Daniel 10 and 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long, and he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, Daniel, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks was fulfilled. Really, the verse I want to get into here is verse 1, where it said, He understood the thing, but it was long, a long time. So, I know for myself and many others that the Lord can give me something in a dream, and or place something upon me, and sometimes I may say, well, Lord, why don't you just, you know, reveal it to me and tell me what it is? Because my understanding of what that thing is, I may know what it is, but he wants me to pray. He wants me to seek him upon it. He wants me to fast over it. So that way he can actually give me the entire meaning of what it is. Mm -hmm. But he also wants to see where my faith is with him to say, okay, I'm going to show you this thing, but how loyal are you to me? Where is your faith at? Where is your trust in me at? So where I can actually show you what I'm giving you a vision of, but to be able to understand what the timing is to uh, to seek it in, in, into all truth. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what Daniel was doing. Because if you read the entire chapter of Daniel here, he was praying over his people. And it took actual 21 days for that angel to come through. Mm -hmm. And that angel, he's doing the same thing like, he said, I heard you the first day, but I had to go through and I had to, you know, I had to, to fight the prince of Grisha. Mm -hmm. So the Persia, Lord's, yeah. yeah, the Persia, and the Lord's doing that for us. But it's like, how much prayer are we willing to give up? How much time to the Lord are we willing to give up mm -hmm. so we can actually be sanctified? Mm -hmm. So he can actually show us the true meaning, the entire meaning of the vision. Mm -hmm. So that way we can go out and tell others. Of Jesus Christ and what he's done through us mm -hmm. and that's really what this is boiling down to here is that Daniel understood what was being said or the vision 
but it was for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he had to endure that length for the thing to come true. Mm -hmm. So that's what I had. That's awesome, because that's what we got to understand as believers, too. When we pray for things, man, real spiritual warfare breaks out over us. Yeah. So sometimes if we're praying for the right thing, man, like Derek Prince said once, that the enemy will try and stop it. But we've got to really believe the words of God that our prayers are going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep, don't go anywhere. Because, <laughs> you know, that's about the simplest thing you can say before bed. But, you know, it's true. When you pray... Well, you fast, man, things break out in the spirit realm. But we've got to do our part. I'm not leaving Michael and the boys out to dry, you know. I'm going to battle here while they're battling there. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. You know, ground war, air war, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Um, who's going to pray out tonight? Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day, Lord. Um, another day that you just spend your mercy upon us, Lord, and allow us to continue in you, Father. And Lord, I just pray that we continue to go full force against this religious spirit, Lord yes, Jesus, Lord, and not compromising for anything but staying in your ways, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we're delighted, Father, in the things that you've done and to be able to carry your will and be about it, be about the father's business, Lord Jesus. And we know that we cannot do that without you. So thank you for the knowledge you, and the revelation of the Holy spirit, Lord. So as we continue to grow in you and die to self, Lord Jesus, but, um, you'll continue to grow inside of us and the spirit will continue to be stronger father. And Lord, we thank you for the ability to submit to you father. And it's really just a choice with our free will father. So as we continue to submit to you, father, we just pray that that will continue to show other people, Lord, your truth, father. And we're imitators of you. And as we walk father, people see that something is different, Lord. And we know that that doesn't always mean that people are going to just, been to the will lord jesus but they will know and whatever form comes at us whether persecution lord jesus whether love we're ready for it in and out of season lord jesus yes, lord. so thank you father for continuing to just pour out your spirit upon the ones that do want to truly serve you lord and do want to walk in your upright ways father you, and lord i just pray that you continue to strengthen this ministry father and as we are walking in this battle lord jesus um, you're continuing to fill us up and just teach us new ways, Lord, and new ways in you and just continuing to embrace this new life and never going back and staying spiritual or mm -hmm. led by the spirit when we're reading these scriptures and understanding yes, that Jesus. a carnal mind cannot comprehend these scriptures, Lord Jesus. And yes, thank you for helping us to understand that and be able to reach the people, Lord. And we just pray that you continue to root us deeper and deeper into your word, Father, you, as deep as we can get into it, Father. Yes, and Lord, I just pray that um, the ministry, the people that aren't able to be here, Lord, that we're still reaching them, Lord, and we're all one body. And Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit, you hear us, Lord, in the spiritual realm. And those prayers are breaking straight through, Father. Yes, so thank you, Lord. Thank in your you, mighty Jesus. name we pray. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.